You got to pick yourself up and then do it the next day. So, and everybody feels it. Your launch is, if your hair's on fire, just know that it happens all the time. And we need to give ourselves the, the grace to get through it. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with uh, Gina Antavia from the uh, Course Creator Boutique. Super excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Lucas. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good one. So really excited to dive in everything about creating courses, course marketing, all that kind of stuff. Maybe as a you know as an intro, give people a little bit of a background as to you know what you do your kind of journey, what you've been doing, what you're doing now, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I was working corporate. This was 10 years ago now when I was pregnant. I was seven months pregnant and I was thinking about doing courses. And my best friend said to me, you should quit your corporate job and do courses full time. They're the future. You're great at them. Build a business. And now my son is 10 and I have a business with my husband and we build up courses for experts, speakers, entrepreneurs. We also help with back-end marketing and courses are our passion and love talking about them. So that's what brings me here today, Lucas. Love it. Well, I'm keen to dive in. We're in similar fields and in, in similar spaces. Yes. So you guys are kind of like like, like an agency um, yeah. or a coaching program. So it's done for you. Tell me you know, about some of the, some of your your favorite projects, some of the most exciting, you know, products and funnels that that you guys uh, have worked on or are working on right now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my first first foray into courses with Tony Robbins. So back in the day, I used to work for peak performance coach Tony Robbins, building out courses, products, real physical products back in the day, right? And we're talking about Damn, boxes. We're talking and, CDs yes, and boxes. We're talking about Shit. CDs, DVDs. Damn. OG. OG. Yeah, OG. Yeah. Wow. G, wow. my friend. Nice. Okay. So Damn. that's okay. how I learned. I went into the studio with the big guy, learned wow. how to record content. Uh, he's the master, right? He's the master of knowing how to teach and how to break it all down. Yeah, so uh, yeah. the stories I could tell, like recording in Sun Valley, Idaho, or I was in Australia with him multiple times, all over the world, recording, doing events. So that was my baptism by fire with learning courses and learning how to create content. That literally by fire, experience. you would have walked by on fire. fire, literally walk on fire. Yes, to I get there. On yeah, fire. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so I walked yeah, on fire yeah. before with the big nice. guy. So, uh, cool. so that was the greatest education that I could ever have in terms of building courses, and that's how I got my start. And from there, you know, there's been a lot of mistakes and a lot of okay learnings in terms of what's the best way to build online courses. And you know this, Lucas. It changes. It evolves every year. And from those products, those big products, we did like a shoebox once, right? We had like literally had a shoebox that opened up. So old school, so OG. Uh, to today, like what do people really want? What's going to get them to buy, right? How do students want to learn? Like now they want a customized experience, right? They want maybe a la carte. They want to pick and choose. So that evolution has been very powerful for me. Uh, I got to work on courses for Juliana Ranchick and Jason Kennedy. They're TV personalities over here in the States uh, cool. and all kinds of entrepreneurs 
I got to work on content. Amy Porterfield is a close friend. So I get to work with some content for her. Incredible. So it's been an amazing journey in terms of the projects we get to work on in the back end. So it sounds like it. Yeah. So tell me, I guess, what are you seeing, you know, going on in the industry? Like you said, you know, you're an OG. Things are changing every year, every six months, every three months, depending on the year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With AI, maybe it's yes. happening more rapidly now. Kind of what's going on, I guess, right now in the last kind of six months in terms of changes that are happening to the e-learning education info product industry? Yeah, I think AI has really uh, disrupted the industry in a great way. And I think mm-hmm. we are, as course creators, are trying to figure out how to navigate that and how to maximize it, right? Like how, how do we use this tool, but in a great way, but still provide valuable content and a transformation for our students and for our clients. And I think using AI as our thought starter and our inspiration is a really great place, but not a substitute for our expertise, right? So you, if you're listening right now, you are the expert. You bring a system that is unique. You have a secret sauce that nobody else has. You're not getting that from AI, right? The way that you approach your teacher, I don't care if it's weight loss. I don't care if you teach people how to scale their businesses, how to DIY their websites, whatever it is. You have a unique system for getting results. You can use AI to help you get inspired to write like your courses or your sales pages or your emails, but don't use it as a crutch, right? Because at the end of the day, you're the expert, you're the secret sauce. And even from like, you know, a marketing and selling perspective, like now if ChatGPT has somewhat, you know, commoditized information similar to Google, but like 10x, it's like your unique story that isn't on ChatGPT that only you know from your experience, that's like what you have to sell now. It's more important than ever to have like, you know, a unique mechanism or UVP or something. So Uh, I'm I'm sure- 100% agree, right? Because what are they looking for, right, Lucas? They're looking for that system of results, right? That Mm -hmm. that you bring that's unique to you. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned story, more important than ever because ChatGPT is not going to make up your personal stories and your struggles. Well, I was saying saying that uh, personal stories, this is how we connect with people, right? This is how we connect with our students and our clients. And I get this all the time with clients and students that say, oh, people don't want to hear about me. This isn't about me. I'm like, oh, it's 100% about you. I don't care what you're selling. They want to connect with you. Do I trust you, right? And stories connect us and and make me trust you. Like, yeah, I'm going to, I tell a story up front, right? I told the story about being seven months pregnant, deciding I didn't want to go back to corporate. And it's like, okay, moms out there, maybe connect to that. Dads connect to that right? Because we're selling you and they want to connect yeah. to you. Okay. Hit me up. What's your story? Well, you're saying how uh, like, you know, ChatGPT and AI can't come up with stories, but you know, we like uh, person I'm pumping out, you know, multiple VSLs will be really, really long ones. And sometimes we get ChatGPT to kind of clean up the spelling or, or, or do some placeholders. Yeah, that's a great and way to use we, it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we did one for this kind of like quit alcohol program that we're launching probably next month or early next month and i wrote some crazy story like and made up some story about how the instructor had some kids and and you know the kids was like pretending to, to drink al- alcohol and then the mom just broke down i'm, re- I'm like chat gpt man this is full like hardcore direct response like you know real stuff i'm like that, that's super impressive we didn't end up using it but i'm like damn it's got some you know it's got some sauce here i just read that and it was hilarious I'm like this is straight out of you know like a dirty old school copywriting you know sales letter from you know i'm keen to kind of jump into into the nitty-gritty um into the process but i guess kind of stepping back what are you seeing working 
right now, right? You know, like like you said, things are changing, different funnels, different market expectations, all, all that kind of stuff. So in terms of a launching courses and then also kind of scaling courses on Evergreen, um, what tactics, funnels, structures, you know, what's the good stuff you're seeing working right now? So I'm just seeing more people... People want more customization. People want it more about them, right? And they want that personal touch. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to coach them or if they want some kind of access to you, they know if it's really for them. People want to be nurtured more. I think the days of just like throwing it out there and expecting sales in the back end of your funnels is not happening. I just had a, a course creator who launched, who nurtured for her wait list for two months. So it's a, a course about learning how to decipher your labs. So say like I get my labs done, I want to learn more about my blood sugar. Oh, wow. Or my, or my thyroid. Yeah, I mean, yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. a great niche, That's right? Good, great niche, yeah. So, and, great and it's niche. only going up, surely. I know. You know in so, terms of, uh, so she's a medical yeah. practitioner. Mm-hmm. She had a wait list. So, so this is something that you and I might not be interested in, right, Lucas? Like you, like, I don't know much about you, but I don't know if you really care about your labs. Like you just trust what your doctor tells you. The core student, doesn't really trust their doctor or their doctor saying, I don't know why you feel tired. I don't know why you, why you feel fatigued. And they're taking this into their own hands. So it's a niche audience that she's been nurturing and it's, she speaks to them, right? Like there's another way you don't have to feel in pain. You don't have to feel tired. So she's been nurturing them for two months. She opened it up to her wait list. She sold 70 courses in a week and a half just based on her wait list because she's been nurturing that wait list for the last two months and speaking their language too, right? And really niching down. So that's another thing. Like I'm always talking about the power of the niche, but mm-hmm. this is niching the niche, right? This, this is, is like, yeah, people, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, this is, is like, like really, really people down. People like, who people. want to work on blood work and also get blood work. It's like- Yeah, right. Um, and really but, take yeah. it into their own hands. Like yeah, this is a totally. special person. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to do that for my, like that would freak me out. But this person feels comfortable doing that. And she spoke to them and that's how she was, and that's just her wait list, right? And now she's opening it up to the general public. So I think that that giving them time to, that run up is so important as always, that pre-sale and letting them know what's coming, speaking their language and then niching down to the niche, right? Really segmenting down is, I think is super important. Like the, the days of going broad are just, they're over, right? So, and just finding that passionate segment that you really want to go after is important. Totally. Now, just out of curiosity, what was the price point on that course? Yeah, so I think she sold, so she's beta, she's putting it out for the first time. I think she went 247. It's either 197 or 247, but it'll never be at that price again. And she said that too, right? So it's probably going to go up to 397. So she waitlisted at that. And then everyone else on her list got it for maybe 100, so maybe 297. And then the general public, 397. So, and then she had yeah, tears. That makes sense. And do you usually do that kind of pre-launch waitlist model for most clients? I love partners? that model. I love that Same. model yeah. if if yeah. you have that passionate audience. And if, you, if you've been nurturing your audience, some people are listening and they have lists that are quiet or they're not loving on their list. And if or they're no not list loving on all. your list, right? Or there's no list at all. So yeah. this is a power. She doesn't have a huge list. She doesn't mm. have 100,000 people on her list. But she has a nice, she has a list that listens to her because she's loving on them and she's speaking the language they want to hear. So I, I am a big proponent of this pre-sell strategy if you have that passionate base and that list that you've been taking care of. So I think that's important to have. 
Totally, yeah. And I would even mention as well, like depending, um, you know, and we'll go into different pricing models and kind of funnel structures in a second, but even especially yeah. kind of if you're selling something higher ticket over a call mm. or over Zoom, it does make it so much easier to pre-sell because you can kind of handle the objection on the call and test pricing, get market feedback a lot earlier. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, we've had a few products where it's like high ticket and we're just like, all right, it's not ready yet. Let's just sell it sell yes. five and say it's coming and then you know you can do live calls record them and then that's your course so okay i love what you're saying here lucas because i'm a huge proponent of this too i just did this for myself actually i just did this coaching package um not a high high ticket but i just i sold five because i was like okay i need to beta this and see and and now i can go out in a bigger way now i can actually put it on my website and really announce it because I've because I have validation, right? So I validated the price point. I validated who wants it because originally I was thinking I have three audiences and I narrowed it down to one. So that was really helpful for me as part of my beta. And I know I can charge more too. So I think I love what you're saying. Get five in a room, in a virtual room, right? Get five, validate price point, validate your audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then even the uh, offer then, as well, and the offer, you know, right? You, and then you maybe can the tweet, package. Oh, shit, you want this? Okay, we'll that's add right. It in, you know, because so, I had, yeah, no, I had no, I an it. audit. I had an audit as part of my package, and I was like, I don't need this. I threw it out. I was like, okay, that was a bonus that I didn't need. No, they didn't care. But I wouldn't have known that unless I got five people to write less work for me. But I had to do that, and it was fun too. I think it's fun to test and figure out. Okay, so just get that five and figure it out and that's the pre-sell and then you can go to market in a bigger way. Yeah, and and I'm curious kind of with with clients or people that you're advising, how do you think about, you know, the low ticket model versus the high ticket? Like, you know, for, for context, people can sell courses for, you know, 10K USD yes. and sell them for free, right? There's a whole spectrum, right. obviously different pros and cons, mm -hmm. different strategies for each. How do you think about this dilemma? I like to, yeah. I always say, what's your outcome? So what is your outcome in terms of what do you want to get out of your course? So I've got students, and I'm sure you do too, students and clients coming to me all the time like, I want to create this big ticket course that leads into the event. And I'm like, all right, but what's your outcome? Do you want to make money? Do you want to generate leads? Do you want to sell into your high ticket? Do you want to sell into your year-long master, mastermind program? What's your outcome? Like, so... So that's where you need to balance. And then what kind of course creator are you? Are you the course creator that's going to have a ton of traffic? So it's okay if you have a low or medium price point course, or are you more boutique and you need like a certain amount of people that can then drive to your high ticket or your high ticket coaching year long coaching offer, right? So I think sometimes we don't think like, what's the road ahead look like? What do we really need for our business? And where can we make money? Where do we need to make money? Right. And thinking through like, what's your bread and butter? So like I have a client who a year long mastermind, the year long mastermind program is their bread and butter. So all roads lead to that. So their courses support that. Okay. So I'm never going to put out a $50 course for them because it doesn't make sense in terms of eventually getting somebody to a year long mastermind. Yeah. 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 I have this dilemma as well. Cause like, I, I'm curious what you think about it. He's like, yeah, everyone is preaching, you know, kind of, you know, do a low ticket. That's the best way because then you know, you, you can funnel people into the upsell and yeah. it makes total sense. But, you know, some people come to me, I'm, I'm like, why don't you just go straight to the high ticket? Like, like if right. the goal is to sell someone at a 7K offer, why don't not, not just run ads to a call, you know, as opposed to having run to ads spend to a call. six months right. in a and group. Do a great, and do a great strategy session. Yeah, I am with you. And, but I've seen, okay, so let's play both sides of this, right? So I have seen people be successful selling into a $17 tripwire, right? And then that clicks over to a call 
that goes into, let's say, 7K, right? And then off of that 7K, then into the high ticket for the year, 20,000 a year, right? I've seen that work too. I've seen people struggle through it, but I'll see the other side of it. I would rather just do the strategy call right into the the higher ticket. Yeah, so, yeah, it, yeah. It does make a lot of sense. And I've been thinking more about this lately where, where maybe it is a thing of, of like different buyers because obviously there's that kind of like yes. seven to 14 touch points. Who knows what it is now? Right. Some people more conservative. Yeah. Do I trust this <laughs> guy? But people like me, points. it's like, oh, shit, you know, a new... A new course on how to, you know, build like a Spanish AI app. Like, I'll buy it. Yeah, and then you know, I never go to <laughs> like, it. So, where do I put my credit card? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the amount of freaking courses I have, it's huge. Okay, I'm curious. Let's let's dive a little bit into your process because, like, you know, you've done this a ton of times, and I'm curious around if you know if someone's listening and they have some kind of expertise, some kind of skills, and they want to create that, you know, separate revenue stream. What process do you usually take your clients, or would you have them go through, kind of from? I think I have a rough topic idea kind of yeah. all the way to, okay, you know, I'm on, I'm uh, kicking back on a beach with a Stripe account now. Kind of <laughs> I'm kicking out. I know, waiting for the yeah. pings on my Stripe account, which is the greatest That's sound, it. right? Uh, so oh. if you have a topic, if you're listening right now and you're an expert, and I get a lot of coaches, I get a lot of consultants, right, who are doing this one-to-one and are tired of the one-to-ones, our next step is to really validate your idea. And if you're a coach or consultant and you're getting results with your secret sauce and your system, that can be part of your validation. So what I mean by that is, are people really going to buy from you when you put out this course? Because oftentimes I think maybe we're an expert in something, right? And we're like, okay, I know I've got a great course idea. My Aunt Mary says she's going to buy it. I'm going to put it out, right? And it's like, just because Aunt Mary says she's going to buy it doesn't mean you have a viable business. So I love a great validation. I actually have a, a fun story, if you'll indulge me, Lucas, because you want to make sure that people have money to buy your course. I talked to these women, this was a few years ago, they teach you how to tan a deer hide. I didn't even know this was a thing. So like you skin the deer, <laughs> stay with me, and then you tan it. So, uh, and then I think you wear it. Okay. So they said, we put out a lead magnet, like the basics of how to tan a deer hide. So they're like, it went like bananas. We got 5,000 downloads. We got all these people downloading. It was incredible. So they thought, well, I have all these downloads, then we're going to sell into this course. And right. So then they sold into the course. They sold like 10. So they had thousands of people who opted in for the lead magnet. Five bought the course. What they discovered. And I was like, okay, what happened? Did you validate that there was money behind it? She said, we just, we discovered that people who downloaded the lead magnet were living off the grid. So that means that people, I don't know if you know that translates, basically people were living in the woods with no money. So like living off the grid means, you know, they created their own electricity, like they didn't pay bills. So they didn't have any money, Lucas. So so they put out this course thinking they were going to sell like bananas. And meanwhile, they didn't have a paying audience ready for the course. So that's what I mean by validate, like people are ready to buy it. People are like, Lucas, where's the course? I'm going to put my credit card down as soon as you put that out. That's what's so important when you're a course creator. Because you might have the best idea, you feel like you have the best idea, but then nobody buys it because it's not a viable paying course. So that's where it starts. And then the second piece is figuring out your course promise. So like once you validate, yes, Gina, I have a demand and people will pay for this. What's the transformation you're going to provide? You're going to take people from feeling this to this when you bring them this specific result. So, so often I'll get people who say, oh, well, I'm targeting stay-at-home moms who don't aren't happy anymore. I'm like, that is so 
general and broad and Mm -hmm. what does that mean versus I'm going to make you the detective of reading your own labs, right? So don't worry about what your doctors say. You're going to take it into your own hands. Like what? So, right. And that's the result that she brings for them. And that's why she got 70 people in one week. So knowing your validation and your course promise, let me shut up. (laughs) No, no, that's, that's why, yeah. You know, (laughs) if I wanted you to shut up, you wouldn't be on the podcast. Okay, cool. So, so validation and also coming up with that, um, you know, primary specific promise. I love it. Let's go back to validation first. So yeah. If someone has an audience, that's great. You know, I'm buying this, pre-sell it, whatever, whatever. If someone doesn't have an audience, I- I'm curious, which is probably, you know, the majority of people l- listening mm-hmm. um, realistically, how do you think about, how do you approach kind of this, this kind of early validation phase if someone has, you know, zero friends, zero followers? Okay. And then do I know who am I, do I know who I'm going after? Like, I think ideally, Roughly, okay, great. Yeah. So let's say, you know, it's like someone who, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, someone who has like like a decent kind of LinkedIn and, and it's a course for kind of managers on how to have, you know, better one-to-one meetings as an example, right? It's okay. like all, you know, I, you know, okay. I can give you 10 examples. Something but corporate. It's kind of if, yes. Maybe something okay. corporate and then maybe something biz up as well. Kind of a biz two, up. two okay. opposite ends of the, yeah. Okay. So how, I love LinkedIn. So how can we use opportunities on LinkedIn? Do you have uh, so I think, and this is where we're getting into the weeds a little bit, like, okay, what's your strategy to build your audience, right? Is it the lead magnet? Is it getting on a call? Sometimes I think it's tough to get on a call. It, how big's your net? How strong is your network? I actually don't care how big your network is. How strong is your network? And it's going back to like, are you loving on your network? Because it's one thing for you to hit me up on LinkedIn, Lucas, cold, because I get that all the time. And I bet you get that all the time. Like, hey, Gina, I'd love to do your YouTube videos and da da. And it's like, I don't even know who you are versus somebody who's been commenting on my podcast and I see showing up week to week and they're invested. I know they're invested in me. That's important. So you need to show up. We- so if LinkedIn's your game, show up week to week and then do the ask and say, I've got this value add or I've got this great consultation or this 15 minute strategy. Let's do it together. Um, so I-, I also love partnering. If you don't have an audience right now, who can you partner with? So if your game is this corporate course, right? And you're going to have to be like, who knows managers? Who knows hiring managers that you can connect with? Can you do a workshop for them? Can you do like, do they have monthly uh, employee get togethers where you can do a workshop and you can show what you're made of? And then maybe you can sell into the HR managers. So and using your network to do that and and using their audiences to build your audience. I'm a huge proponent of that, especially when you're starting out. So you got to you got to use your network and then you got to build from there and find the connectors. Yeah, I, I love that. And that's like a, a common occurrence and thing I hear on this podcast more and more is like, you know, find partners, find yes. you know, networking to, to do joint ventures in. I want to go into all the final stuff, but I'm curious on this specific topic, kind of how would you think about partnering with someone? Is is it a thing where, you know, it depends situation to situation and, and like, do you offer something to their audience for free? If I'm you yeah. know, starting from, from zero, yeah, yeah, kind of how, so, how would and you So, I, I want to clarify too, when I say partner with someone, like, so I remember, this was probably seven years ago, I had a mentor who partnered with someone, like they built a course together and they launched events together and they had this incredible part and she borrowed from his audience and she sold a million dollars worth of products in one year and courses. I don't mean that. I don't mean let's build a business together kind of partner. Yeah, Yeah, I don't mean that. That's Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. advanced. That's like 401. I mean, 
you have an opportunity. So say you have a mastermind, say you have a friend or somebody, a colleague or some, we have, we have Instagram friends, we have LinkedIn friends, right? Mm. And you reach out and you say, Hey, I see you're doing these monthly workshops. I'd love to do that. I know it's for free. Uh, I'd love to add tremendous value to your people. Or if you go into a Facebook group, some of these Facebook groups are very engaged. And you say, I'd love to add some tremendous value in exchange. I would just like to mention my podcast at the end. I actually have a special podcast for you guys with an opt-in. And I would love to mention that to you. That's your business builder, right? That's what I mean by partner. That's what I mean by borrowing from audiences. So low key, and then you're providing tremendous value for them. Some of these experts out there, Lucas, have monthly meetings or monthly workshops or quarterly, and they're looking for experts like you guys listening right now. They need content. Exactly. If I'm offering something for your content that's going to make you look good, where it's like, oh, hey, Lucas, you know, you have course credits. Well, I'm going to give you the sickest training exactly what they yes. need, and it's going to come from you to make you look good. I'm going to be like, fucking. Have yeah, a weekly segment. This is going segment. to make your people care. money. Yeah, it's going to generate exactly, leads exactly. for them. It's going to make you it's look gonna, good. It's going to yeah. make you look this great. This is super smart. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, come yeah. on over. Okay. So, okay. Okay. This is great. So, like, I, I love kind of starting at, at zero because, you know, if most people don't have audiences and they're not getting started, it's like, this is a great job. You go out, who is the target audience? Who do you know in your network? What other groups or, you know, influence or programs are they in? do deals, do whatever it is, try yeah. and get in front of them, give as much value as possible. And that's almost like, I think about it as like, you know, free advertising where instead of paying Mark yes. Zuckerberg money, you're paying your time, right? If there's 10,000 right. people in it's a group, time. Right, that's maybe $200 yeah. of ad spend. You know what I mean? And yeah, you, so, exactly. Okay, I love that. Yeah. And then also, and this is where you need to know your system, right? You need to know what you're teaching. Like you've got three steps that you're teaching and you've got your process down and it's great practice for that too. So you go on podcasts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Process, get feedback. Yep. Yes. Yep. Totally. Totally. Great. That's exactly. how you build momentum. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Now, with the promise thing, I'm curious. How do you think about kind of the primary promise? Well, I, I, I call it primary promise, you know, of the course, a kind of key transformation and outcome. I'm just thinking of examples where you know, if it's a biz up course, where you know, it's whatever, you know, start a freaking. Amazon, you know, start an Amazon store. It's yeah. been done a hundred times, but yeah. for something like that, you know, there's a spectrum of, of promises where it's like, okay, you know, launch your first product in four days, all the way to you know, start a a ten k month automated business with Amazon. So, so I'm curious, how do you think about you know, promise or transformation or outcome? It is just one per per course, and you just focus on that. Yeah, that's a great. That's such a great question. No one's ever asked me that before. So. I'm a big proponent of a starter course. So you just talked about a starter course would be that would be one, right? Versus two versus the 10,000 in a box, right? I'm a big proponent starting smaller, if, especially if it's your first course. If you're listening to me right now, you've been listening to Lucas and you're like, lady, I, I got it dialed in. I'm just ready for my next fun or whatever. Then ignore what I'm about to say. But most people starting out should, I think a starter course, less, it's a concentrated time of energy and resources, and you could start smaller versus your masterpiece, your signature course. So with a starter course, I like to limit the result and limit the promise. And let me explain. I was working with a financial advisor, and he was in Latin America. And he goes, I want to teach women everything they need to know about finances. And I go, well, that's a, like a year-long course, yeah. and that's oh, a lot. And he's like, I just can't seem to get this done. And I'm like, because you promised the world. You promised yeah. everything. And I was mm -hmm. like, what if it was a starter kit 
to learn about finances or a beginner's guide to finances for women in this specific segment. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I could do mm-hmm. that. Right. So he's like, start with a segment, start smaller. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. getting stuck on your course, and I see this happen all the time, it's because you might have too big of a promise. And we see this all the time, right? Like, and I back, and we have to be careful about things like, I'll make you uh, guaranteed 10,000 a month, you know, in the first 30 days or whatever, right? So, but that's why a specific result is so important. Let me give you an example. Uh, I have a real estate agent client in Washington over in the States, and she teaches emerging real estate agents. So they've been in the game for six months or less. Okay. So not every real estate agent, just those that are new, how to find their zone of genius. Okay. And their zone of happiness to build and they get, get their first client. Okay. So that result is very compact. She's not saying, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about building your real estate agency and real estate business. And by the way, she's niched down further to women. So she just teaches women that are in real estate for less than six months how to find their zone of genius and get their first client. That's a great result. That's a great promise. And she is very successful. So and she her course is on Evergreen now. She's made at least 250000 on that course part-time. Because she's a very successful real estate agent selling million dollar homes up in Washington, right? So, but because it's so specific, because it's a concrete result and it's her secret sauce, it sells. Okay, got it. Yeah. So for the beginner, it's like getting your, you know, obviously getting your first client, maybe second and third courses that you know how to get X clients per month or or, or scale bigger. Yeah. I'm curious, how do you think about, because like, I think about this, you know, a lot as well. I love that, you know, specific kind of niche and, and, and promise and idea where everything, you know, the bonuses, the message, the course is focused on that that one client. How do you think about kind of, you know, expanding the promise so it's bigger, to, so the course is more expensive? Because like, as an example, if I was to do something where it's like, okay, you know, get your first client in this online course, the value of that maybe, I, I assume in the avatar's head is a lot less than, okay, you know, get all my systems to be able to get, you know, your first five clients or kind of, you know, do, which is obviously harder to promise, but maybe they're, they're willing to pay a little bit more for the second one because there's more. I'm curious kind of how you think about that. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I think, so in Paige, the page is her name. Paige, by the way, her pricing structure was 297 to start and now it's up to 797 on Evergreen, which I love. So she could easily sell into a $5,000 course or a workshop. Like she could sell a one day workshop at 10,000. Like she, she is incredible. She's a badass, but that's not her game, right? She's selling $2 million houses in Washington. But I think, I think when you niche down to your point, you can, you can then broaden out from there. So she's sticking with emerging real estate agents. She could continue to sell it and broaden out and say like, Hey, this might be helpful for other real estate agents. So I think I, what I'm talking to is people when they're starting out, like what we're talking about before, who don't have a list and their their first course. If you have a business with, mul- some of you have a business with multiple audiences, multiple streams. I talked about my client who was a mastermind. They've got like three core audiences and we just segment. We use the same courses, but then we just segment to them based on our marketing, right? So we niche down with them based on landing pages and based on emails, and it's not about the course. So that's another way to do it. Lucas is a very roundabout answer to your (laughs) question. 
you can segment with your marketing, have the same course for three different audiences, but speak to them differently with your marketing, then maybe have different bonuses. So you can broaden out that way. Love it. All right, cool, cool. So that's awesome. So there's the pre-sell, the kind of coming up with, with you know the short niche kind of promise of the program. When it comes to selling online courses and kind of scaling them, there's the launch model. I'm more excited to, to speak about Evergreen uh, with you. When it comes yeah. to, you know, funnel structures, traffic sources, obviously, you know, there's a lot of options. It depends on the course and niche, but what are you kind of doing at the moment? What are you seeing working? What's your, what's yeah. your favorite? So you mentioned yeah. up front, like you do, you're doing a ton of VSLs. I think the VSL model is still working. I think Paige has a webinar, so she's using that model to sell. I think that's still... Vi I think that's still a viable model. I think the challenge model, like an evergreen challenge model is still working like three days. Actually, I'm probably most excited about the cha the challenge model. Like I think we saw a lot of live challenges a, a couple of years ago, but I'm seeing it become more effective as an evergreen model. So I like that as well. Those are the ones that I think are still viable, Lucas. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And with challenge, like what's the difference between, I guess, a VSL and a challenge funnel is it like, like I think a price more point? immersion I think more immersion right so I think and listen it's depending on how you set up your VSL right so of, you could yeah. have a ton of content built up into that VSL that you mm. everyone's different right so and I think there's different models for the challenge I just see more total immersion there's some homework like light homework with it depending depending on the price point depending on the student depending on what they need so uh, I think just the content and how you're using it to lead up to something. So a challenge could be we are working together to figure out your course topic and your course promise to then build into your next step, which is actually building the course, right? But maybe the challenge is just figuring out your audience and your top. I'm just making this up. I don't have a challenge, but it's like topic, topic, audience, promise, right? Maybe that's my three-day challenge leading into my course on courses, right? And I do have a course on courses. So I could do a challenge on that and just immersion and then a little bit of homework and maybe showing and showing my system. So with me, there is workshops, right? So like I work with you and we're working shop, we're workshopping something together. That's my style. I think with the challenge, you show off your style, just like a BSL, but a little yeah, more total yeah. immersion. It's almost like, a, okay. And, and really the only difference between a challenge and like, you know, like a lower ticket product is that it's what, like it, what, it's shorter and it's time kind of. So yeah, I would say so. You, I, you could sell into your challenge too. That could be the low ticket. So you could be free or it could be low, your low ticket. Sure. Yeah. Great. So, so the, the challenge model, but the way you were talking about it was, was the challenge model, like a free course that you would give away, you know, instead of a webinar, you give them like a free challenge. Yes. Yeah, so no, instead of a webinar. Okay. Right. So I think what we're talking about here is selling systems, right? So now you have to show people your expertise, right? So you do it with VSLs, right? So I do it with webinars or I do it with a three-day challenge. So I'm just showing that the content I teach, uh, how I can get you out of pain, and then here's my approach and here's my expertise. That's all it's about. So we're just speaking the same language. We're just doing it in different ways. Yeah, different. Let's Okay, let's break down the, the kind of challenge model then, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm... If, you know, someone has maybe like a higher ticket or kind of back end course and they want to do either a free or, or paid challenge on the front end. Yes. Um, how do you see number one kind of you know the best way of launching it and the best way to build it to kind of, you know, eventually upsell people into that paid up yeah. the course? So, so if you're thinking about a challenge model and I kind of hinted at this in the previous example, 
it needs to lead and same with your VSL and same with your webinar. What needs to happen for them to buy your ticket, right? What needs to happen for them to buy your course? So for me, I know to buy a course on courses for me, they need to know their topic. They need to know their audience and feel confidence that they're moving forward with their course promise, right? So, uh, so I did another challenge that was about storytelling and building your story, but we wanted to them to come to an event to, to learn about their story and to build their story. So we didn't want the challenge to be writing your story. We wanted the challenge to be about choosing their story. And out of like, cause we have a million stories, right? Like you have so many personal stories that you could share, Lucas. So we built a challenge around learning the elements of a great story so you could pick your powerful story. Then we sold into a ticket. So with a challenge, so that's number one, picking a topic that will lead naturally into your paid course or your high ticket, whatever you want. Then what are the components that load are your three? So I like a three day challenge. So what are the three steps that lead into that, that lead into your ticket? And then on the third day, do like a webinar, you do a pitch, right? So the first day is content, you're seeding the third day. Second day is content seeding the third day. Third day, you're giving them content, but really it's the pitch. So really this is like more of a classic webinar, I would say, and you're hitting them up with the offer on the third day. And then, you know, you have your sales sequence, you've got your follow-up, maybe you've got another webinar that you do, like maybe you do, um, you could do a repeat webinar on demand for that as part of the challenge. But that's the structure that I, I follow. Yeah, cool. Random kind of niche question. When you do VS, like I'm not sure how much, how many VSLs you do, because like we've tested this, we've got yeah. a specific answer. We ask other people, they get a specific answer. But in terms of, and I'm going very, very niche up in terms of kind of, okay, add to opt in to VSL to purchase versus yes. add straight to VSL or even some people doing on Facebook or on Instagram, VSLs now straight to checkout. Because obviously, you know, getting an email lead, getting a phone number to that opt-in is great because retargeting, build your yes. list, even do outbound. Um, but you are creating friction, you know, between right. opt-in and VSL, which is less data to Facebook. So I'm, I'm ranting and going real nerd, but, but I'm yeah, curious how you think about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, sorry. What's the question about <laughs> what? So, so have you kind of tested or how do you think about going straight to, to VSL versus going to versus kind of like opt in, in, first, opt in to VSL, email, right? And then oh, doing versus the opt in yeah, to email. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't done it lately, but I have a friend, Sal, who goes straight to VSL. So she does add to straight to VSL and she's seeing some like really nice results. So I, I'm not committed or I'm not saying like you have to go to the opt in. No, I see people who do, who get results directly to the VSL, but I think you need to test it. I think it depends on your audience. I think it depends on what your offer is. Uh, how good are you? At, like, you know, not everyone's going to be Lucas, right? At VSLs, especially the first time out. I think they're, I think you have to be, I think you have to work on it, right? To like be good at a, at a VSL, but no, I think you can, I definitely think you could drive ads to a, directly to a VSL. I don't think, it yeah. and then, so you're doing VSL to a sales call. Well, well, well we, we, we have all different pricing. Like we have depending on, so the way we do it is usually if it's like a lower ticket model, any, and, and it depends on the market, but anywhere from kind of roughly, you know, zero to $200. I, I look at that as kind of lower ticket. And with a lot yes. of these, I can go straight to a sales page. So VSL 100% sales you can go page, straight to a sales page on that. Compare. Anything like uh, above that, either it's, okay, you know, let's say uh, 1000 USD or 1500 USD. I'll sell that sh straight on a VSL where it's like maybe like 20, 30, 40 minutes VSL, depending on the niche. I try, try and keep them shorter now. 
and, and then if it's purchased and it's kind of like timed button pops up at the offer, click to check out and then there's retargeting. Or obviously if it's a, a call, call, it's the same thing with Calendly. VSL plays, timed Calendly pop up, a pop people up. book a call. And-, and that's for a high, high ticket. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think, yeah, I think sales page at 200 or below, I think that's smart. I would even push that maybe a little bit. And then, yeah, and then I think direct sales, yeah. I think that's great. I think you need to test. You know, you know that, Of, right? of course. So, yeah, I, I know. It's yeah. always testing. For sure, for sure. So in, in terms of dr- driving traffic to these challenges, right? So yeah. if someone has a course in mind, they've built a challenge, maybe they don't have a huge audience. In terms of kind of scaling on Evergreen, what tactics are you kind of working on right now? What strategies yeah. to you know, drive So drive uh, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I wouldn't go on Evergreen without an audience. I would do it live mm-hmm. first. I would mm-hmm. I would do it live. If you don't have an audience, I would do a live challenge mm-hmm. first. Get the mm-hmm. work it through. You know, it's like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, we're getting five people into our program to just test it out. So I would do a live challenge. I would do partners with that. Who can you team up with? Get some affiliates. They can be friendly affiliates. I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. saying you need a cut to begin with. Build mm-hmm. up your audience that way before you go evergreen. So I, I'm it. not a big proponent of just and that 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 might be an unpopular opinion. That's obviously working. Um, working for you. So you you mentioned affiliates there. Tell me a little bit about kind of your your strategies with affiliates. Yeah. Um, you know, finding them, how to use them, kind of yeah, the best best practices. Yeah. So for- and we're starting from especially if we're starting from scratch. I mm. invite you to look whatever your social platform is of choice. You mentioned LinkedIn earlier seeing who you know has your audience, right? That's what's so big to me. Like, okay, so I have my go-to people. Like I have a world-renowned copywriter who is incredible and she works with course creators all the time. She's one of my affiliates because I love her. Her her content is incredible. Her audience pays, (laughs) going back to that one, right? And then we're not conflicting. People hire her to write sales pages or teach them how to write sales pages. I don't I don't do that. Like I do sales pages, but like not on the regular like she does. She's a great affiliate for me. I have another affiliate who teaches SEO and she has a split agency too. So she has students and she has a done for you. She's a great affiliate for me because she gets course creators, right? So where do people have your audience there? You admire them and you think like they're on a level with you, they're peers, right? Because sometimes you're like, okay, that person's up and coming. They don't really have an audience yet. They could be a future affiliate. So I, di- I remember I went out to one woman and she's like, I'm not ready yet. And I'm like, good for you for saying that. Like, she's like, I just don't have the audience you're looking for. So I would say starting out with five to 10 that you can go, that you can reach out to. And again, no, it, you might be on Instagram and you might see these experts start building relationships with them now and DM them and say, Hey, I love your content. I'd love to do something in the future. If you have a podcast, invite them on your podcast. And then once it, Everyone who's been my affiliate has been on my podcast. Podcasts and like whatever show you have is a great way to build trust and love and connection into building affiliates. So starting there and then borrowing from their audiences and launch for the first time in terms of those five to 10 affiliates. Love it. And, and after the, like, you know, the initial kind of slide into the DMs, maybe a podcast or relationships building, what does the relationship actually look like um, in terms of like... It, it, you're paying them a percentage or using software to handle the, the affiliate payouts kind of if you if we're going hard on affiliates like gun to the head let's find 10 of the best yeah i would do so i use thrivecart 
that makes it very easy to have affiliates. Kajabi is a f- affiliate. Uh, so I would use software to just automate that process. If you don't have a VA already or somebody to assist you, I would get somebody to help you manage your affiliates and just love on them and be your concierge. And I think it looks like an initial reach out. So I think getting on the DMs and sending them an audio, a personal audio, hey, I love what you're doing in terms of putting out their content. I love your reels. And when you're talking about your sense of humor is amazing. Make it personal. Don't just reach out in, in a like a boring note, right? So I always leave little audios and little jokes. And, and then from there, say, I'd love to send you something that describes what the program's about if you're keen. And they're like, yeah, here's my email. They love it. Then you send them the email and you make it a little more formal or you, make, you have the specifics around it. You're going to make a kit. You're going to make it a little affiliate kit. And you're going to set it up, whatever your software is. I don't care what it is, as long as it's a system. And that's how you're going to send them out. And you're going to sign your agreements to and make it official. And then you're going to figure out your payout. So uh, so it depends. Like I did a live course. You could have a static course. You could do a challenge. So for a challenge, you could do an affiliate into the free challenge, right? And then into the back end. So, uh, so you're going to give them links to invite them to the challenge and then into the back end. And then whatever your cut is. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I know. Yeah, I know affiliates are so sick. Like we, we kind of focus on, on paid ads and if people have an audience and I know there's a whole world of these, you know, kind of old school, you know, people that did these huge seven figure launches with affiliates. Of course in in the email, it's like, and I've done them. I've done them too. I love doing affiliates. Yeah. So, and it's, you partner with them you go on their shows give them assets yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so right so you have a different model so i know the paid ads model but i get a lot of newbies too so it i i teach the the partnership way or the affiliate way right so it's cool nice yeah there's no one strategy all right well i'm i know uh we've got you on for ages but you're just spitting so much fire i want to keep on for as long as possible i'm curious if you could finish with you know any kind of crazy launch stories any kind of big, big stuff that you are allowed to share, get, get that clickbait towards it. If, if there's anything that you can share, I know some kind of client secret, you know, numbers don't going out, but um, any favorite products, kind of your favorite funnels or, or things over, over the last few years? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I do have some crazy launch stories that I, I, I can't share, but, uh, but back in the day when the original internet marketers, I'm like talking like, Mike Koenigs and Frank Kern and like the OG guys. That's who I learned from a little bit. Cause when I worked for Tony Robbins toward the end of my tenure, those guys came in and taught Tony. And then we built a new money masters program. So like interviews with Frank Kern interviews with Koenigs, uh, Maria Forleo is on there. We built it with Amy Porterfield, built it with me, with myself and just learning from those guys. I know that's not a funny story, but I mean, I have stories with Tony too, where, you know, he's changing things on a dime in the studio and uh, changing up how he wants to sell things, right? And how he wants to position it. But I think all of us have gone through launches where our hair is on fire. And right, like I did a streaming launch, like we did a series of streams and one like went down massively and we were supposed to have thousands of people on it and the stream went down and, and you know, you just got to say, okay, so that happened. Like that's one of five streams and you got to pick yourself up and uh and then do it the next day so and everybody feels it your launch is if your hair's on fire just know that it happens all the time and we need to give ourselves the the grace to get through it so 
I feel you. Nice. All right. Yeah. So, so basically get launching and, and expect fires. I expect know that's no, expect the fires. Of course, Give yourself yeah. 20% of room and leniency to know yeah. there's going to be a, there's going to be multiple fires and that's okay. That's part of it. That's part totally. of launching. Yeah. Totally. Love it. Love it. Cool. Well, uh, uh, are there any topics or anything that we didn't cover that you think is going to be, you know, what worthwhile that you're kind of, you want to share? Um, oh my gosh. I think we've, I think we've, we've covered a lot. Yeah. I think we've covered yeah. a lot. I think it's just get started. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, get started, mm. know your people first mm-hmm. and foremost, because even mm-hmm. before you start that funnel, before you start that course, the best sellers, you know, this Lucas is people who know their people who know what they yep. really want yeah. and, mm-hmm. and what they're willing to buy. So it starts mm-hmm. there. Don't worry about the ads. Yeah. Don't worry about the funnel. Mm-hmm. Like worry mm-hmm. about what your people really want and, and how you're going to love on them and how you're going to be the solution for them. Totally. Yeah. And, yeah. and I can even say that as well. Like when, when people come to us and They've been in the industry for a long time and they've had a lot of conversations and seen problems and heard things and they, they, they kind of know that idea because it's been validated to, to an extent in terms of, you know, conversations and experience and it's there. Those tend to work a lot better because of all the time where it's like, oh, I think I maybe want to do something to these people mm-hmm. kind of. And, and we can always kind of see where, you know, the vision's clear. People have clarity and experience they've spoken about it usually ends up being a, you know, a much better product or at least yeah. closer to the end result than anything fluffy and hypothetical. Yeah. And, and I sure. think the other thing is don't give up. Like if you test something, mm-hmm. cause I, mm-hmm. I don't know how many things have you tested that failed, Lucas? I've tested a ton of things yeah. uh, that uh, failed. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, lot, I was like, Oh, that was yeah. a bad, that was a bad yeah. idea, but I didn't mm-hmm. know it was a bad idea. Right. And I set up funnels and it's like, okay, that didn't work, but, but maybe one part of it worked. Maybe one out of like five elements. Okay, how can I build on success on that one element? So don't be afraid. Exactly. We've, we've failed multiple yeah. times. Totally. And, and I would even say as well, like on, on that point, like, you know, what, yes, fail, maybe, you know, a, a launch doesn't go to plan, but it's like in the digital product space, like how long does it take you to change a funnel? You know, like, what, like, like that. An right. hour? Change, and, and, yeah, and hour? Yeah, this afternoon. Yeah, exactly. There you go. It's not like you just ordered, <laughs> a, you know, a thousand physical products right. with packaging and you have to sell them. It's like if the course doesn't work, just, change the name of change it, it, change the price. It takes 30 seconds, seconds and then, you know, test it again. So change the headline, yeah. change the button change color, yep, yep, right? Yep, like, yep. VSL lead, you know? Yeah. Change, right. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. totally. So love I, 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 I love it. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. This was amazing. Um, where can people find out about you? If people want to work with you or, or, you know, get in touch with you, what do you have? Yeah. Where do people go? What do they do? Uh, I'd love for you guys to check out my podcast coursecreationboutique.com slash podcast and you should go to my website there's all kinds of good freebies on there and yeah check it out cool so so that's coursecreationboutique.com correct yes love it cool all right well thank you so much for jumping on this is awesome so many Uh, gems uh we should definitely do this again thanks for coming on uh thank you gina appreciate it and uh that's the pod guys thanks